And I know I resolved to talk about physics for a while, but it's actually hard. It's actually harder work to talk about physics than it is to talk about, you know, humanities. You know, which is what I'm talking about here. When I when you have an episode about Australian culture, it's kind of just you know, come. You don't have to be structured in your thinking. You can just waffle on, and uh, to a very large extent, I make these episodes, this podcast. For my own relaxation, it's not for you, really. You know, it's for me. And uh, even though I'd love to just be able to do physics off the top of my head in a carefree way without even concentrating, I can't. It's a little bit harder. Uh, but to talk about anything to do with the humanities, I can just do that straight off the top of my head. It's easy. You know, I don't have to think. Now, that's the problem, you know. It's a little bit like um, if I wanted to um, make a rock and roll song or a rap song. Um, you could just about do that in the train on the way to work, you know. But if you, wanted to, if you wanted to create a symphony, you would have to bleed and suffer for an entire year to create something wonderful. You know, but to be a genius at rock and roll or rap or anything like that or country music or anything, you just bang them out, you know. And um, it's a little, this is a little bit like this, you know. To do physics properly, you have to be structured in your thinking and you have to work hard, really. You have to concentrate. And it's not as relaxing. So that's why I'm, I'm just taking a break with this little mini-series on Australian culture. <laughs> In the same way that a long time ago, somebody uh, took a cutting of the oldest Shiraz vine in the world, and I'll talk about that maybe more later, uh, and then planted that in uh, Australia. Um, And then the oldest Shiraz vine in the world died over there in Shiraz land. Uh, Made it such that we've got the oldest Shiraz vine in the world. And, uh, and that Shiraz vine is, uh, is not less mature than the original. It's another mature vine. In fact, it's the oldest in the world. And, and to that extent, Australia is a cutting from the vine that was Britain... Australia was a cutting from that, brought over in 1788. An invasive species, if you like, you know. Uh, I think we were an invasive species, but that's not what I'm getting at, you know. I think we're an absolute... Uh, a terrible thing, you know, to bring into this country. Uh, not unlike the rabbits. Um, and the cane toads, you know. We were kind of the cane toads of the human race, brought into this country. However... Um, we were a very old culture, you know, like just like that uh, cutting from that old, old Shiraz vine that was brought over here was an old, old, old cutting, you know. Um, so were we a cutting from Britain, and we were a very old culture the minute we got here. Yeah, that's the analogy I was making. But I'll get back to the more, you know, and people say, oh, we're just a young country, you know, we haven't developed our own culture yet but it was fully developed the day we got here and it was old Mm -hmm.
I stopped the press, I had to sit and think for a minute about what I do think about all this, you know, Shiraz vines and 1788 and all this business and waves of immigrants, you know, and um, the first wave of immigrants were uh, the uh, the British, you know, the first fleet and all that sort of stuff, you know. The British came and they were the first wave of immigrants. And then, you know, the second wave of immigrants perhaps, you know. Look, obviously there were small waves of immigrants like um, the Chinese for the gold rush and um, uh, Afghans to drive camels right through the middle of the... Uh, uh, Australia and all that sort of stuff. All right, but the first wave were the British, you know, and the and the Irish um, and all that. And you know, and then there was another wave. When was it? You know, post World War Two, um, the the big wave of Greeks and Italians and Eastern Europeans and all that sort of stuff. All right, that was a genuine wave. You know, and a lot of people try to put it about that. You know, that was the second wave, uh, pretty much equivalent to the first wave. You know, so we had the first wave, the British. All right, and the second wave. But you know, one doesn't outrank the other you know um they're all coming to our indigenous land yeah so they're all immigrants into indigenous sort of land um and uh and then you know 1970s the vietnamese you know there was a wave you know and then we've had wave after wave after that you know and um and and i think people do put it about that all these ways of immigrants are kind of equivalent to each other, just at different times. And, you know, the British were boat people just like the Vietnamese were boat people. You know, it's all equivalent, so, sort of, so to speak, you know. And the Greeks and the Italians and, the, you know, the Eastern Europeans were one wave after the World War, after World War Two, and that's just like the Iraqis and the Syrians and all that sort of stuff recently, you know, that sort of thing. You know, they're all equivalent. Um, the CV of one can be used for any of the others. They're all waves of immigrants and they're all equivalent. But I say no. You don't have to agree. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you agree or not with a podcast like this. I don't matter. You don't matter. Um, I'm just saying what I think. And um, I think the British invasion was of an entirely different nature. It wasn't just an. It wasn't British people emigrating from England into um, into the um the land of the indigenous people as immigrants you know what i mean uh it was uh a piece of england picking itself up and making somewhere else england and just completely ignoring and pushing out anything else that was there and almost ignoring them you know so you know like when the the Greeks and the Italians, for example, came to Australia, and I'm, I'm talking the nation state of Australia, they were genuine immigrants. They, if you asked them, were emigrating from Greece and Italy to a fully set up nation state called Australia with laws and so on yeah, um, that they were pledging to follow and agree to and fit in with, and all that sort of thing. And same goes with every other wave that's come since. Refugees might be slightly different. You know, they haven't actually made the pledge. They've just landed. But to get citizenship, they tend to stand up and say, you know, we agree to abide by all the laws of Australia, the nation state of Australia. Now, the British didn't do that. They're not the same sort of immigrant. You know, Um, physically they came here, but it was a piece of England. You could almost imagine Surrey was picked up, you know, um, by, with a thousand balloons on strings 
Um, and the whole of Surrey, let's say, you know, <laughs> it's a joke, but you get what I'm saying, and flown over here and landed on top of the Aborigines in, uh, in Australia um, and killed them all, you know, squashed them. Um, and it was Surrey in Australia. You know, sort of something like that. I don't know if that analogy works. But the point is, it wasn't um, like when the Greeks and the Italians came and they came to uh, live within the established uh, order, law and order that was there in the first place, you know. When the British come, they invaded. It's altogether different. Um, so England came here and this was England when, they, when the English came here. When the British came here, they didn't come as immigrants. They came as invaders. And it's a very big difference. You know? They came not to be immigrants into the indigenous uh, land. They came and ignored the indigenous people and pushed them off the land and made the land theirs and it was England okay now the Greeks and the Italians they came here and they didn't make it Greece and they didn't make it Italian after the you know um, after they didn't push they didn't wipe out the nation state of Australia uh, the, the Greeks and the Italians when they came here to be anything like the British they would have had to come here and wipe out pretty much, and I mean, sort of almost a cultural genocide, you don't have to kill everybody to push them aside, but to be anything like the British, when the British came to Australia in 1788 um, and beyond, you know, until you know, the British took over the whole of Australia, the continent, um, the Greeks and the Italians would have had to come here and just completely torn up our constitution, torn up all our laws, and declared the whole place Italy or Greece, you know, that sort of thing, okay? So you might argue that, you know, the British were terrible for the way they did that, but the point, I'm, I don't care whether, I'm not trying to argue whether they were um, good or bad or, you know, saintly or evil. I believe them to be evil, if you want. I couldn't care less for the point for the purpose of what I'm trying to say here, I'm trying to say here that they were not immigrants, they were not a wave of immigrants in the same way that the Greeks and the Italians and the Eastern Europeans were a wave of immigrants later. I, 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 I don't believe that they were the same thing. Yeah. I'm just trying to kill that argument, you know, the argument that they were the same thing. I'm on my way back from Danny Dong. Uh, I've been with my wife's uncle. We had a bit of a night in, and we had a bit of fun watching Acropolis Now clips. Acropolis Now is that whole Wogs and Aussies thing, you know. Um, I've spoken about Wogs and Aussies as a comedy and as a culture uh, at other times, you know. I probably won't go into that one right now. Uh, but, um, yeah, the word, look, without going into it, the word wog in Australia has taken on a new meaning since a guy called Nick Giannopoulos flipped it, flipped it from being a derogatory term to a 
you wish you were a wog term. Um, so Australia is a bit funny because I've spoken to my cousin in England and he said over in England it's still a very derogatory thing to say. You'll, you'll get heads turning if you use the word wog in public. Um, but in Australia, uh, well, especially for anyone who's married to wogs and all that sort of stuff, um, except if you're using it in a nasty way, obviously, you know, you can use anything you use in a nasty way. It can be racist or anything you like, you know. It's got to be respectful. Uh, but, um, you know, like if I'm amongst uh, people who know what I'm talking about and I say, oh, you wouldn't believe it. This is what it's like being married to wogs, you know. There's nothing derogatory about that at all. In fact, you're kind of saying, it's great, you know, because you're going to get good cooking <laughs> and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, that's what it means. Yeah. It's, um, and Nick Giannopoulos, you know, we were watching Acropolis Now clips. Uh, my wife's uncle, he's Greek. Uh, my wife's uncle and I, and uh, Nick Giannopoulos, we, we do credit him, him and I with flipping the word quite a few years ago now, from being a derogatory term to being uh, a positive term. Um, Who wouldn't want to be a wog? That sort of thing. And uh, Nick Giannopoulos, we saw one of the clips we watched, it was an interview with Nick, and he was saying he he was um, deeply impressed when he heard the word wog being used openly. You know, back when it was a more derogatory term, when it was being used openly in Kingswood Country, which is uh, an old TV show we used to have in Australia. Uh, Kingswood Country was about a, a kind of Neanderthal kind of Australian. You know, and when I say Aussie or Australian, I mean Anglo-Celtic Australian. We know there's other types of Australians, like Indigenous Australians and Greek Australians and Italian Australians, but it tends to be the case... Um, even when you're with Greeks or Italians or whatever, if you say Australians, they mean they mean Australian, uh, they mean Anglo-Celtic Australians. So if you don't narrow down the word Australian, if you don't define it, um, yeah, if you don't say Greek Australian or Anglo-Celtic Australian or whatever, most people in Australia, if you say Aussie or Australian, they mean kind of Anglo-Celtic Australian. Okay. Um, in most contexts, you know, like if you're at the Olympics, it can mean anything. Uh, it could be an Asian or anything, you know, um, uh, because that's just uh, yeah. Because the identity, it, uh, your identity as an Olympian, um, it's very national, very national. Um, the Olympics, everything runs on your nation the nation state to which you belong so if you say <clears throat> an Australian won um, a gold medal in the such and such you know let's say an Australian won the gold medal in um, what, 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 what will I pick um, a uh, long distance running you kind of might think oh well you wouldn't automatically assume it's an Anglo-Celt yeah, unless it's Rob D. Costello. But these days, if, if 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 I wasn't following the Olympics and someone said, "Oh, an Australian has won the marathon," I would kind of probably say, "Oh, he's probably Ethiopian, you know, or something like that, or Kenyan." Yeah, but a Kenyan Australian or an Ethiopian Australian—that's the way the Olympics is. But in 
general parlance, you know, vernacular in an ordinary society, up till now, and look, it might die away eventually, but at the moment, Aussie kind of means Anglo-Celtic Aussie, and even the Greeks, for example, um, they, you know, they, they say they, you know, because, um, you know, my mother-in-law's Greek, and um, she's been an Aussie longer than me, and I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again, but, you know, when she, when, because she got here in the 1950s and I was born in the 1960s. Um, so when she says, the trouble with Australians is, you know, they can't cook like me, you know. I've said that one before and I'll say it again because I like it. Um, she means, she's talking about me and she's calling me an Australian. And she's not calling herself an Australian, even though she's been an Australian longer than me. You've just got to get flexible in your head to understand the context when people are talking. And not get too um, miffed and all, you know, not jump in and say, excuse me, you know, to my poor Greek mother-in-law and say, you should not you be using, you should not be using Australian in that context. How dare you call your son-in-law an Australian when you're an Australian? Stop that, you know, and start smacking her about the head. Are you that sort of anti-racist? Give her a break, will you? She's a nice lady. All right, so that's that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the word wog was flipped. And I think Nick Giannopoulos, or Nick Giannopoulos, <laughs> try and say it in the Greek. You know, I, I do hear Greek about, so you know, I can't get the Greek accent going. Uh, I wish, I like Effie's accent in Acropolis now. Effie, do you know Effie? Look, I'm jumping around a little bit because it's late and I'm tired. Um, oh, but Nick Giannopoulos, Nick Giannopoulos, uh, he, um, now polis, that means city, doesn't it? And Giannis, that's John. Does that mean John City? No, I don't think so. Uh, so, um, the last bit of a Greek word, it tends to mean where you're from. Where you're from, you know. Uh, so, uh, my uh, in-laws are Arcos. Opulos, you know, and there's all these that kind of identifies where you're from. Okay, um, so Nick Giannopoulos, he said he got his idea, you know, he was inspired by Kingswood Country, and yes, uh, Ted Bullpit was an Aussie skippy uh, in that, who was a Neanderthal kind of Aussie, um, yeah, old school kind of. I wouldn't call it racist, but, you know, you bloody wog. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately for him, his daughter fell in love with and married a Greek. Uh, or, oh, was he Italian? I can't remember. doesn't really matter. But anyway, Nick Giannopoulos, he said, when I saw Kingswood Country and them using the word wog like that uh, openly, um, and look, it's comedy. It's comedy. And it, it, wasn't, and it wasn't racist unless... Uh, unless you're very tedious, um, because the old show, Kingswood Country, was poking fun at that Aussie for being unsophisticated. You know, the one that was saying, you bloody wog. It wasn't, um, it wasn't um, um, saying it was great or anything like that, or, you know, admire, it wasn't in any way saying it's acceptable the way he used to say, you bloody wog, you know, to his son-in-law. It wasn't, the show wasn't saying that's acceptable. Um, 
because no one was identifying with that father-in-law in that show. And that's what comedy's about. The fact that, you know, like he was an unsympathetic character. Uh, oh, funny. He was funny. But he wasn't someone that, oh, I wish I was like him so I could say walk too like that. No, you, no one wants to be like Ted, Ted Bullpit. That's the whole idea. So it was funny and it wasn't racist. Oh, yes, it was. Oh, look, stay in your 21st century. I'll live in the 70s and you live in the 21st century. Yeah, because, oh, jeez, it must be a pain in the neck living in the 21st century. I'm glad I don't. I like the way my head still lives in the 70s and the 80s. Right. And um, anyway, um, in support of my ideas that it actually was a funny show, Nick Giannopoulos thought it was funny too. And he said, oh, when I first heard the word wog, used like that I thought oh this is great he said I can use this you know and he made a whole sort of series of shows and a whole empire he built on um, exploring uh, the whole relationship between wogs and Aussies and uh, to a very large extent we have parted ways from other countries from what I've heard like England where the word wog is still just straight derogatory and nobody can even um, yeah, have fun with it you know? but in Australia it's fine you know and, and not in a now in the in America the n-word as they call it um, is used freely amongst African Americans um, and they, they do it in, you know, like, we've got permission, you know what I mean? But people who aren't African-Americans can't use it, and that's fine, you know, I've got no problem with that at all. And they've got too much history attached to all that stuff, really bad history, you know. Um, and, um, and we don't have much of a history with Africans at all in Australia. I've mentioned that before and I'll mention it again, but we don't really have a history with Africans in Australia. It's only really recently that Africans have started coming to Australia in anything like any numbers. I think yeah, I heard on the radio a while back that um, I think it was 1966 or 1967 or something, there were so few people coming from Africa. And it was to do with our you know, discriminatory um, immigration policies and all that sort of stuff. But uh, the... the they even wrote down their names because there was only like eight of them in the whole year. You know, eight or nine people from the whole continent of Africa. You know, so they just wrote down their names. You know, in the stats, in the, the you know the statisticians, they actually could write their names. That's funny. Um, and now there's heaps, you know. But that's very recent. Um, but in a, in America, they have a, an uncomfortable relationship with the word. N-I-G-G-E-R or as the African Americans say in claiming that word N-I-G-G-A the African Americans have got this way of re-spelling everything and the indigenous Australians have picked up on that a little bit because I see the word black B-L-A-K what you do is you misspell everything you know, that's what, um, there's a whole culture now growing up. And I think we, you know, even indigenous people have started, um, yeah, because they've caught it from, that's not a bad thing. It's actually probably a smart thing. Uh, yeah, Americans, they just, they just uh, almost bizarrely misspell things because they don't want, I, I don't know why it is, but I'm just assuming it's because it's, you're, you're admitting that you're conforming to the dominant culture if you spell it the same way they do. 
So uh, there's a, a rapper that my goddaughter told me about called Weekend. That's his name, Weekend. You know, like you know, like my name could be Weekday. You know, and his name is Weekend. But almost bizarrely, because there's no real reason for it, he just has to misspell it on purpose. Because then, then that you know, that's his way of saying, listen, I'm not actually conforming here. You know, I I don't belong. You know, I don't. Uh, I, 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 I'm not conforming to English language you know that's a that's an imperialist language so I'm just going to misspell it slightly and he spells it W-E-E-K-N-D you know he takes the E out of it so it's weakened you know not weakened well geez, there's a danger that he could be yeah he's weakened no but he's weakened you know weekend and, and they and there's a lot of words like that you know um I've arrived home, so I'll probably have to put a stop to this bit of episode, uh, but I'll come back to it. Look, what I was going to talk about, and I don't need to talk about it, was um, that in Australia, um, I, as an Aussie, which means skippy, Anglo-Celt, um, I can openly, especially when I'm amongst my people, you know, which is, uh, well, anybody who, who uh, you know, lots of Australians marry Greeks and Italians and all that sort of stuff, and we all know what we're talking about. When I go, when I go to a party and say, "Oh, you know, um, uh, yeah, crack all the standard jokes about uh, living with wogs," you know, um, and and they crack the same jokes too about living with Aussies, you know. But I'll leave the, you know, you can imagine what that is. But the point is, it's not that derogatory. It's not derogatory in the same way as the N-I-G-G-E-R word is in in America. It's not the same in Australia. Um, You can actually, you know... uh, Look, let's put it this way. We have trains, trams and buses flying around Melbourne um, advertising the latest uh, show about wogs. You know, I have... we, We had... Lots of trams in Melbourne recently. Um, great big letters, Superwog. You know, and um, Aussies and Greeks and Italians and Lebanese and everybody else were flocking to it because it's bloody funny. You know, and everyone, what, what show are you going tonight? Oh, we're going to see Super Superwog, you know. Oh, yeah, great. You know, or there's another show, Wogs Out of Work. We're going to see Wogs Out of Work. Have you seen Wogs Out of Work lately? And, you know, Aussies can say that without it being racist, you know. And I actually credit Nick Giannopoulos for flipping it uh, because he, he took the word and ran with it. And it's almost like, you know, Aussies were calling um, Greeks and Italians, hey, you bloody wog, you know what I mean? And then Nick Giannopoulos, in a great big way, said, you wish you were. You know, and then the Aussie said, hey, that's you're cool. Yeah, all right, we do wish we were. All right, we're all friends. Let's go to the pub. It's like that, you know. I don't think African-Americans have, and um, Anglo-Americans have pulled that off in the same way. You know, it's a delicate game, and we managed to pull it off in Australia, and it's worked really well. Um, and I don't think, you know, from talking to my cousin who lives in England, I don't think even they have pulled it off. I don't think you get double-decker buses in England where you could advertise... Wogs out of work. Everybody come and show, you know, and get people in the bus, Anglo-Celts, let's say. Anglos, sorry, in, in England are probably Anglos, or, you know. And, you know, English people saying, hey, um, you know, talking to their best friend on the bus, on the double-decker bus, um, I'm going to Wogs out of work tonight. Are you going to Wogs out of work? Yeah, oh, 
bloody funny. And um, I love the way, you know, the... Um, what's that wog's name? Uh, yeah, you know, they can't speak like that, but we can in Australia. You know, we can all go off to wogs out of work or um, or Super Wog or any of these shows. And we've got this um, pretty viral kind of video, wogs versus Aussies. You know, the difference between wogs and Aussies. Uh, it's, that's a bit crass, that one. It's not at the same level of quality. But everything done by Nick Giannopoulos was, you know, really high quality. Anyway, tonight, uh, my wife's uncle and I were watching Acropolis now, which was, which isn't one of his shows. That is called, you know, Wogs This, Wogs That. It's called Acropolis Now. Yeah, so we were watching that. It was very funny and Effie's hilarious. I forgot how hilarious Effie could be. But I, look, I'm, I'm home, so I'll finish that whole thought. But the point is, yes... Uh, Australian culture, hello, this is Australian culture. Um, and if you're in, in Melbourne, you may well see a tram going past um, with uh, advertising the latest stage show or, or movie or TV show relating to wogs, and it might be called Super Wogging. Great big writing! You know? Whereas, um, you know, and it's got a very positive feel about it. You know, it's fun and for everybody. Um, whereas I think in America, African-American and all that sort of stuff, I think when the word N-I-G-G-A, because they do that, um, is used, it's not in that fun way, so to speak, really. It's more done in rap, mostly, as far as I can tell. You know, and when, even when African-Americans call each other you know, well, N-I-G-G-A, um, it's not as um, cheerful um, as the way that the word wog is used in Melbourne, in Australia, and Melbourne I think especially, because I think that's where wogs out of work emanated out of here in Melbourne, you know. Um, yeah, I could talk about that for ages. It's a fascinating anthropological study. You know, if you ever want to study the um, the uh, travels of the word wog in Melbourne especially and in Australia generally but I think Melbourne surely here in Melbourne it's it the culture of the word wog going mainstream and becoming quite fun and something that everyone can have fun with um, I, I think that's um, yeah it, it's worth worth studying you know I don't think many other cultures, have achieved that where a derogatory term has been flipped into something good and I think Nick Giannopoulos did pull that off and he did a brilliant job and I think he has a special place in Australian history for for pulling it off you know amongst along with his friends you know Mary Custis and all that sort of stuff she was Effie she's fantastic she's my favorite she's just um oh it's just hilarious um okay so that's that and I'll leave that alone and I'm home. Uh, oh, yeah, and we watched a whole lot of Acropolis now episodes tonight, and that was quite fun. Okay, I'll get back to what I was talking about before, but as a separate episode, I'm now breaking this up into a number of parts. So, on to part two.